Hey there, and welcome to episode 15 of IoT This Week. I'm your host, Craig Smith. It is March 29th, 2016. So a few of the topics we're going to cover during today's podcast. Samsung announces a new IoT OS. The FTC makes some more comments on IoT. Internet Internet connected printers and bad things you can do with them. A graphic on early adopters of IoT, and that's by country, using it using a Onion Omega uh, device board for controlling your car via Wi-Fi. A graphic involving the IoT landscape, and then also Pebble laying off 25% of their staff. And then we will also talk about the IoT, the OWASP IoT project, and we're actually going to add another tab, which the tabs on there are sub-projects of the Internet of Things project, which this one will include information about open source projects that are used in IoT. So looking looks like a good show this week, so uh, let's get started. All right, for our first story... Samsung has decided to join the fray in creating a IoT operating system. So obviously it's going to be something that'll be, you know, lightweight and efficient and so it'll work on all these IoT devices. It should obviously it'll work on devices that they sell, but they're also also the good news is they're actually going to open source this, so it will be available for putting it on other IoT devices out there that aren't necessarily Samsung. <coughs> so they already have, so it's not really known what it's going to be, so we don't know if it's going to be like a cut-down version of Tizen, which some of that, you know, they run on um, phones and their smartwatches and so forth, or if it's going to be some version. They do have what they call ARTIK, A-R-T-I-K, Arctic boards, they do have firmware that run on those things, so I don't know if it's going to be like a something similar to what they're running on those, or it's going to be completely new. But anyway, they're going to be releasing next month, April, I believe, a IoT real-time operating system. So they're going to be joining the likes of Microsoft, which obviously has Windows 10 IoT Core. Intel's got their own um, IoT firmware that runs on some of their their boards that they put out there. And then obviously there's a bunch of other Linux distros and so forth that are there. They're made for small embedded devices and everything. But anyway, should be interesting to see how you know what the OS looks like from Samsung and you know how um, how update up to date the components are. So interestingly enough, and I'll talk about this later in the podcast. Uh, the upcoming research research reports that's, that we're going to be releasing soon is about firmware and some of the deeper details of firmware so look forward to that um but once this os comes out it'll be interesting to compare that against what we found in some of the older or some of the firmware that's out there now the current firmware that's being put on iot devices um see how it compares from a security standpoint but anyway yeah there you go samsung um releasing a iot os and it's actually going to be open source so that's actually kind of cool Okay, so our next story comes from, actually, payments.com. So it's P-Y-M-N-T-S.com. So they actually had an interview with uh, Terrell McSweeney from the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission. So it's a very interesting interview, and it's one of the few times I've actually seen where a government agency is actually doing some things that make sense. 
So basically, the FTC, they're trying to be consumer advocates for uh, privacy and security when it comes to the Internet of Things. So, you know, one of the things they talked about was, you know, how how is a consumer to know whether a particular IoT device they purchase is secure or not? Uh, they also talk about, you know, designing IoT devices, you know, data ethics by design is what they're calling it. So making sure that a IoT device is secure and that privacy of the data is protected out of the box. Um, they also have a couple of things in regards to data ethics by design. They also already have a couple of guides out there for businesses that are supposed to be, you know, best data security practices. One of them is called privacy by design. The other is start with security. Obviously, there's plenty of um, guides out there for data security, like there's OWASP, there's also NIST, and so forth, um, if you're looking to design products with security in mind. However, the problem is, and this is things we've seen in our research, even though all these guides are out there, the manufacturers don't seem interested in all in building any kind of security or privacy into their products. I mean, they basically put in the, is the least amount they can get away with. And mostly that's been around, and what we've seen, that's mostly been around adding um, HTTPS. So whenever their devices are talking about the cloud, at least that part is protected. However, they're not really doing anything as far as encryption on the devices. So any data that might be at rest on the devices, they're probably not encrypting or they aren't encrypting. And then some of the other things on the device itself, like services and those sort of things, aren't secure either. So even though all these guides are out there, a lot of the manufacturers aren't paying much attention to these guides. So one of the cool things is what they've, what they've actually done, and they've been recruiting people for um, this particular group at the FTC. They've been recruiting people from DEF CON and Black Hat. So it's called the Office of Technology Research and Investigation. So they've actually, not only do they have investigators and lawyers, but they also have technologists in there where they actually take a look at these devices themselves. So they may, you know, randomly pick some device on the market and actually test it themselves to see what's going on. So that's actually pretty cool. They're actually, you know, not only are they looking at what the industry does research within the industry, but they're also pulling some of these devices off the market and then testing them themselves. Um, with people, hopefully with people that they're finding in the security industry that want to come work for the FTC that are actually knowledgeable and can, you know, uh, fully assess these devices. Um, one of the other things they actually talked about as well, which was actually cool to see, is, you know, back when the um, one of the first car hacking stories came out and made headlines, and one of the knee-jerk reactions was to just pass a law saying, oh, it's illegal to hack uh, vehicles, which, as we all know, I mean, yeah, that may, that's going to stop the you know security researchers from doing anything, but it's not going to stop criminals from doing it. So one of the things she said was, or she said was she was glad that the industry, instead of, you know, going down that road and just passing a law, that they've actually started to outsource some of these things like to, you know, crowdsourcing, you know, vulnerability um, programs and so forth to look for bugs in, you know, automated, automotive software. So it's actually cool that she's on board with a lot of the things that make sense as far as security goes. Um, like I said, it's good to see uh, a government agency that's actually 
interested in trying to be a consumer advocate and not only are they you know watching the research that goes on in the security industry they're also you know doing some of this testing themselves anyway it's a really interesting article um where she's talking about some of the things the ftc does so anyway like i said it's uh, cool to see a government agency um, doing these things for us and then our next story involves devices printers that were never intended to be put on the internet uh being put on it about uh a known one of the known hackers um called weave who's done some other things in the past he basically identified i think like around twenty thousand printers are out on the internet and why they are all these printers are out on the internet who knows but anyway so he basically did what these printers were pretty much meant to do was to you know print to them so he ended up printing something not that i not that this is the way i would do it but anyway he printed up some uh basically a flyer that looked like some uh bit of racist and hate information so anyway um he said it was basically just an experiment like i said i probably would have gone about it a different way um rather than printing stuff out, out like that but anyway some of this stuff actually went to university so that stirred up some uh stirred up some things um, as far as things going like that to universities um, you can imagine probably a lot of these printers may have been at universities um, since a lot of times they don't really have any idea what they've actually got stuck on the internet um, anyway regardless of what, how he actually did it it's still a it's still another lesson on how there are lots of things on the internet that really shouldn't be on the internet and like for printers, they were never intended to be on the internet. So printers are actually one of the worst things when it comes to like security, network security and security for the firmware that's running on the printer. So yeah, it's not surprising that he was able to actually do something that the printers were actually meant to do. But either way, um, it's probably a good learning lesson for some of these guys that actually had these printers on the internet. Um, hopefully maybe some of these guys who got that flyer will actually take these things off the internet so that it doesn't happen again. And then our next piece is about early adopters of IoT devices. So um, there's an article on QZ.com. They put together a chart that basically lists out the countries and what the, you know, let's see, it says the, what the devices online per 100 people are. So anyway, so it basically break down, breaks down who the top IoT adopters are by country. So not surprisingly, uh, looks like Korea is actually at the top, followed by Denmark, Switzerland, the United States, Netherlands, Germany, Sweden, Spain, France, Portugal, Belgium, and the United Kingdom. So anyway, just a little um, interesting article on, you know, how they, what they were looking at as far as like who the top IoT adopters are by country. And then, then our next story comes from hackaday.com where they basically took a onion omega um and it's basically it's a little iot device board if you haven't purchased one they're pretty cheap I, i've actually got the board and a couple of components that i still need to mess with um but anyway it was on there was a story on hackaday.com so if you guys haven't looked at hackaday.com it's actually a really cool site for just um putting together various iot devices there's also a hackaday.io that you can join up and it's actually a site for collaborative device development but anyway, I definitely take it those two take a look at those two sites, and then also look at the 
<coughs> Onion Omega, if you're looking to learn about IoT and just experiment with it. But anyway, the story was basically they took an Onion, Onion Omega and actually turned it into a um, device that they could actually control their car via Wi-Fi. So they actually took a car... It's an older car that actually doesn't have a lot of the technology on it that um, some of the newer cars have on it, but they actually use the, the uh, Onion Omega device to actually hook that to the car and then actually um, use that to kind of bring that car up a little on technology um, and do some of the things that um, newer cars can do. So what they did, they added the... So what they said they wanted to bring, so the person that did this, they wanted to bring their car into the 21st century. So they basically used the Onion Omega to manually add a extra key fob, a remote start protocol, and a data connection to the vehicles, uh, vehicles onboard computer. So anyway, it's actually pretty cool that they were actually able to take some new technology and add it to a car that didn't an older car that didn't have some of the newer technology and actually bring the car up a little bit to date so anyway just thought i'd bring that put that out there just to you know not only is it cool because they did it with a car but also because they used a pretty inexpensive device to just experiment with um, some connected uh, devices so then for the next little thing I wanted to throw out there on, there's a graphic called the Internet of Things Landscape 2016 on uh, Um Anyway, the links are in the show notes, the links in the show notes. Um, but anyway, they took the graphic, they broke it down into different categories. So they broke it down into like applications. So applications includes personal, um, like Apple Watch, uh, Samsung gear, you know, wearables, um, it also includes homes, so that's automation, hubs, security. It's got vehicles, automi- automobiles, on, autonomous automobiles, UAVs, et cetera, enterprise, healthcare, retail, and industrial internet, machines, energy, supply chain, it's supply chain et cetera. So they also broke it into platforms and enablement. So they broke those up into like software, um, so under platforms, it's like software, full stack developers, connectivity under interfaces like virtual reality. Under 3D, obviously, they include printing and scanning. They also included a group called building blocks. Um, so that's hardware, um, processor chips. There's also software, so cloud. There's connectivity, which includes a lot of the protocols for IoT. Um, there's tele- telecom, consultant services, and then under partners, there's like retail, like Amazon, Apple, et cetera. Same way, it's a pretty cool graphic, um, how they've got this broken down. So the, some of the groups, some of the little subgroups, they include like actual devices. The other ones include companies like under software, like under IoT platforms, there might be GE. Then under hardware, there's a lot of the har- hardware makers for processors and chips like Intel, Qualcomm, et cetera. Uh, but anyway, the, like I said, the... Uh, graphics in the show notes so have a look at it it's actually pretty cool and then our last story involves pebble um i mean i'm sure a lot of you guys are aware so they're one of the like the big uh makers as far as wearables go so they were like one of the first ones they were out there before uh apple watch was on the market and so forth so they're actually laying off um, 25% of the workforce, which comes to about 40 employees. I mean, they're not a huge company. Um, they're still a private company, um, but they're not large, so it ends up 
it still is about 40 employees. Um, but apparently they're running into something that I imagine a lot of other startups are going to start running into because they've been basically staying afloat by relying um, on, you know, periodic injections of venture capital. So some of that venture capital is starting to dry up and some of these companies, they're, they're needing to actually do what most companies do in order to stay in business, which is actually turn a profit. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out for them and whether it's actually indicative of some of the other startups that are out there um, trying to make it and whether they're going to going to be able to without um, further um, injections of venture capital. So a lot of these companies, they're getting to the point now where they either kind of need to make a profit or we're probably going to see some consolidation in the um, IoT market, especially around wearables as some of these startups that they can't really make it. So maybe they end up selling off their, you know, their intellectual property and assets and so forth to um, other um, wearable companies. But anyway, I don't know. We'll have to watch this closely and see how this plays out with Pebble and whether they actually stay around. Because like I said, they're one of the first and actually their watches, their wearables are actually pretty good. They come up with some pretty nice looking stuff. So if they're having a hard time making it, um, it doesn't bode well for some of the other uh, wearable manufacturers. But anyway, um, definitely something to watch to see if they can actually stay afloat for the next five to ten years and actually um, turn a profit without having to constantly be injected with uh, venture capital. All right, so that's it for the news. So a couple other things I wanted to talk about this week. Um, there's going to be a – we're going to be releasing a um, new IoT research report and it's going to be basically in uh, revolve it's going to basically revolve around um some deeper um look a deeper look into firmware and you know what makes up the firmware and security around the firmware and so forth so that should be coming out in the coming weeks so that should be some really interesting stuff that we found um so definitely have a be on the lookout for that um the other thing i wanted to bring up um we're also as Part of that project, uh, we're also going to be adding some more stuff to the um, firmware page on the OWASP IoT project website. And then in addition to additional content under that sub-project, we're actually going to be also adding an um, open source um, sub-project into the OWASP Internet of Things umbrella project. So... There'll be some pretty cool stuff as far as open source goes because obviously a lot of the IoT, the firmware, the operating systems out there, they are they're open source. Um, they're built on many different open source components. So uh, one of the things we wanted to make clear to people is you need to make sure, I mean, not only do you need to, so if you've got a firmware for a router, not only do you need to address security vulnerabilities um, that are discovered, but you also need to make sure that you're taking care of any of the um, open source components that make up that firmware file. So anyway, we'll be adding that to the uh, OWASP site as well. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to bring up too, this came out actually earlier this month and I neglected to mention it, uh, but the online uh, trust Alliance, they actually released a IOT trust framework on March 2nd. Um, so it has a lot of good basic guidance um, if you're looking to get involved with making IoT devices. 
Um, so it's actually so it's obviously it's got a security on section or on a section on security. It's also got a section on what you need to do, and this is all again. This is all like basic stuff. Um, I mean, this is these are things we should have been doing for a long time, um, but it's just weird that we're having to like um, highlight these things again for IoT devices. But anyway, so security obviously um, guidance on how to best secure user access and credentials, and then also they've got a section on um, privacy disclosures and transparency obviously that's a pretty important section because of all the data that I, these iot devices collect and not only are they collecting it and maybe storing it on the device itself but they're also storing it or sending it to the cloud most likely um, based on the research we've done in the past most likely this data is not only being sent to the manufacturer but it's probably also being sent to a multitude of third parties so anyway again that's kind of why they've got a big um, section on privacy disclosures and transparencies but anyway again if you're looking to get into iot device and actually put them on the market or you're just involved in security again take a look at the um, i mean in addition to some of the other things out there like our OWASP uh, iot site also have a look at the uh, online trust alliance and the framework they put together for um, iot devices and then a couple of things i've added under the uh, learning about IoT section. So there's an article out on uh, tomshardware.com. Um, this basically gives, it's a Bluetooth technology 101 um, article. So it's actually pretty good. So if you're just new to Bluetooth or you're, you know, you kind of know about Bluetooth and you just want to learn a bit, a little bit more, actually this is a good, a good little 101 course. Um, so I mean, it basically tells you what is Bluetooth, gives you a short history of Bluetooth. Tells you about some of the Bluetooth special interest groups um, that actually put together some of these um, <coughs> standards around Bluetooth. Um, then also talks about Bluetooth versions and the different profiles that go along with Bluetooth. Um, gives you some information on Bluetooth operation like PicoNets, um, Bluetooth wireless connections, and so forth. But anyway, it's a pretty... Um, it's a really extensive article on basically just the basics of Bluetooth. So again, I would definitely, if you know, if you're looking to get a primer on Bluetooth, um, definitely have a look at this. Um, again, the link's in the show notes, and it's on uh, tomshardware.com. And then finally, a couple other things I've added added under under the uh, learning about IoT section. There's a another star, IoT starter kit out there called SparkFun. So it's called the SparkFun IoT Starter Kit um, with Blinkboard. So it looks like it, I haven't actually looked at this one, but it looks like it does some of the similar things to some of the others where you can actually, like one of the things I did, I uh, put like Windows 10 IoT Core on a Raspberry Pi and then hooked up a breadboard and so forth and then actually had an LED connected to it and caused the LED to blink. <coughs> Excuse me. And then there's also... One of the other things that um, I just actually received in the mail today, it's actually the Intel Edison kit, so I'm going to have a look at that and install um, Intel's firmware on that device to you know, just have a look at it from a security standpoint and see where they're at with their firmware. Um, since, like I mentioned, um, there's a we've got, a, got our research report coming out on firmware, so it'll be interesting to compare what their firmware or how their firmware stacks up against some of the things we looked at as part of the research. So <clears throat> that should be it for this week. Um, again, if you're interested in IOT or security, anything security related, uh, 
you know, get involved with your local OWASP group. Um, that's always a good way to meet people, network, and, you know, find out information um, in regards to security. Um, there's also, if you're specifically interested in, in IoT, there's the OWASP Internet of Things project um, that we're constantly looking for participation in and input. Um, but other than that, that is the podcast for this week. Um, thanks for joining and have a great day.